Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For your mercies, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good God. You are holy. Oh, Lord, you are holy. You're holy, God. You're righteous. You're awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Happy we, Lord. Happy we in our midst. In our doing. In our lives. Have your way in our living. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you do, God. Oh, Lord, you are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. You are my peace, oh God. Lord, you're the peace that passeth all understanding. Fill our hearts, fill our minds. Oh God, continue to be with us. To do, Lord, those things that we need you to lead us in, take us through, walk us through, my God. Lord, the things we need to do your will. Father, we thank you for every difficulty, every trial, every tribulation, everything oh god that you brought to us oh god we thank you we thank you for you are the god of heaven oh you came clothed in flesh my god so that we might have life and have it more abundantly continue to build us up in our most holy faith teach us to pray in the holy ghost my god lord we are waiting on you we're seeking you we are seeking you while you may be found, O oh God. We are calling upon you while you are near. O oh God, you told the wicked to forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Help us, O oh God, to walk in your ways. Help us, O oh God, to do those things that you would have us to do. Help us not to lean on our own understanding. Help us, O oh God, in all our ways to acknowledge you as you will direct our path. Oh, God, we wait. Teach us how. Teach us how to wait on you. Teach us how to look to you. Teach us how to depend upon you. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you, God. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Let's open our program in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning in thanksgiving, thanking you again, O oh God, for a new day, new mercies, thanking you for who you are, what you have done, what you're doing for us, strengthen us, we pray. Give us that mind, O oh God, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint, instill in us the mind of Christ. Have your way, O oh God, have your way in our midst, in our living, in our doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And a pleasant good morning to you, you and you, Brother Brown, here this morning. It is Wednesday, May the 13th, 
2020 and this is the Master of Arts New Testament Letters program and we are currently studying the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's jump right into it. Our topic today, Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, wrote these words. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So Paul is saying that when he came, when he came to the Corinthians, he came not with excellency of speech, not come with great flowing arguments, big words, esoteric words, all kind of languages and such like. He did not come to them with excellency of speech, all his parts of speech in order, his grammar perfect, and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that has its place and its time, and it's, it is necessary. But when you are in the gospel, when you come to the things of the gospel of Christ, Paul did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto the Corinthians and unto the world the testimony of God. He came in simplicity because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And God had chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So we move right away into our lesson and we see where in Jerusalem a council was convened. And the purpose of this council was to make a decision regarding Jesus Christ. All men and women must make a decision regarding Jesus Christ at some point in their life. And at this council, the determination was made, the argument was summarized, if we let him thus alone, if we leave him alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. So concerning Jesus Christ, the council at Jerusalem in that generation made the decision that they would not leave Jesus alone because everyone will believe on Jesus and the Romans will come and remove them from their positions and carry away their nation. Well, they offered up Jesus to be crucified for the nation and exactly what they said they didn't leave him alone, but they offered him as a sacrifice for the nation. But the Romans came, took away, took away their place and their nation, just like they said. They made the wrong decision concerning Jesus Christ. Now the word tells us in Acts chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, speaking about God, it says, Who in times past, God in times past, suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. He allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So what God did when he chose Israel as a peculiar people, a holy nation, a nation of kings and priests unto himself, was to allow all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left a witness for himself by doing good, giving rain, and filling their hearts with fruitful season, seasons, food, and gladness. So God chose Israel, allowed the other nations to walk unto themselves in their own ways, 
And he gave Israel the statutes, the ordinances, and the commandments through Moses. The law was given, and grace and peace, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Jesus came to his own, and the decision that was made when the king of the Jews came to them was to reject him, saying they had no king but Caesar. They put Jesus to death. He arose from the dead. And he authorized, empowered, and commissioned disciples to go into all the world and to teach all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So in the place where he was rejected, he had his disciples start there. In all nations, beginning in Israel, his apostles, his disciples taught the people the right ways of God. So Paul and Silas also went out and they came to a place called Philippi where they saw a young woman acting in a spirit of divination. They casted that spirit out and they were imprisoned and charged with teaching customs which were not lawful for the Philippians to receive being Romans. They were beaten, cast into prison, uncondemned, and the Lord used an earthquake to shake the foundations of that very prison, saving the household of the Philippian jailer. Paul then, after these things, departed and he came to Athens. When Paul had come to Athens, Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, Acts chapter 18, verse 8, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. So as the journey continued, it came to pass, Acts chapter 19, verse 1, that while Apollos remained at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and found disciples there. He ministered to them. Then Paul wrote in his second epistle to the Corinthians, he wrote, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. And finally, in writing to Timothy, Paul told him that Erastus abode, stayed at Corinth, but Trophimus of I left sick at Miletus. One of the things that we have to find, we have to notice rather, in the word is that it was a corporate ministry. It was a ministry both individually and collectively. They were one body. They were working together. Paul departed from Athens. He left Athens, went to Corinth, the chief ruler of the synagogue and his house believed on the Lord and were baptized. So there was a church in his house. It was not any dominant individual. It was a church of believers. And when Paul left Corinth, came to pass that while Apollos was there, Paul having passed through, Paul went to Ephesus, leaving Timothy there. They found certain disciples who were believers, but they had not had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're going to find that we're not the only ones doing the work of Christ, that others are doing the work of Christ, but at times it is necessary that we all come in the unity of the faith and being edified by the 
revealed word of God, Apollos was edified by Aquila and Priscilla, and the Ephesians' disciples were edified by Paul. He found certain disciples, and Paul had to bring them in the unity of the faith unto a perfect man. And Paul spoke to the Corinthians, telling them that he left Erastus there with them at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left sick at Miletum. It's not every time God is going to heal everybody. Let me categorically state that you and me and all may understand that Apostle Paul was called and chosen to know the will of God. But there are times when he could not perform any miracle, any miracles of healing. And having a certain disciple named Trophimus, Paul had to leave him sick at Miletum. Paul had to leave him. He was sick there. Yes, Paul prayed for him, ask prayer for him, ask healing for him, but except God keep the city, the watchmen wake it but in vain. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. And the healing is done by the Lord. So Paul had to leave him there. Paul himself had an affliction and three times he prayed to the Lord and asked the Lord to remove that thorn from his flesh. But the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So we must understand that is not every time we in quotation marks, so we decree and we declare this. No, God does not work by or is ordered by our decrees and declaration, but he does everything according to his own will. So Paul had to leave Trophimus sick at Miletus. Paul himself was on a vessel headed to Rome, having gone up to Jerusalem, taken prisoner, taken to a castle, examined by the Roman authorities, and now being sent to Rome, Paul was on a vessel that got caught in a turbulent storm, in turbulent weather, boisterous seas. Not because you are a believer, you're going to find you sail through here on flowery beds of ease. Your fate, your trials are going to come. Your faith is going to be tested. So you ought not to think it strange concerning the fiery trials that should come upon you. So the following night, as Paul was headed to Rome in a vessel, caught in the winds and the waves being torn apart, the Lord appeared unto him and told him, Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou be a witness also at Rome. Your circumstances, your situations, your trials, your afflictions is not your end result. Just as you bore witness of the Lord in good times, you will also be a witness of the Lord under adverse conditions during trying times. That the trial of your faith is going to work your perfection. You see, because God wants you to be perfect. And the Bible teaches us that in our patience possess we our souls. So we have to be patient in tribulation. We have to develop that attitude that we can overcome. And we are able to endure all things because we can do 
all things through Christ that strengtheneth us. So the Lord appeared unto Paul, stood by him, and told him, Be of good cheer, rejoice in tribulation. And again I say unto you, you ought to rejoice. Rejoice when things aren't going the way that you think they should go. And over more and abundantly rejoice when they're going the way you want them to go. But you must be of good cheer. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord when things don't appear to be the way you want them to be. You have to know how to rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. As thou hast borne witness of me in Jerusalem, so must thou be a witness also at Rome, just like you did in the good days, the good old days. You must be a witness in these bad times, these hard times, these perilous times. You have to be a witness. Now, to be a witness is not a one-time event where you go out in the street for one day and you dress up in stuff that advertise your church and stuff like that. No, to be a witness is to have a consistent, a consistent rather, pattern in life, a consistent way of living, telling of Jesus Christ and his goodness. So, Paul continues the defense of the gospel the gospel in the epistle he wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote these words. And I, and I, he got personal. And I, brethren, he includes himself, inclusive in the ministry. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So here Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, he was told by the household of Cholo that there were divisions among them. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come to you letting you know I knew Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. I didn't come to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom. You see, because the Jews sought a sign and the Greeks sought wisdom, but that's what they sought for their own edification. That's what they sought to build up themselves, but that was not to declare the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, the Jews, they want a sign. They want, oh, it's God because we got a sign. The Greeks wanted to show how wise, how intellectual, uh, how edified they were. But when Christ comes, he comes lowly, meek, riding upon a foal, the colt. Yes, he comes riding upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. He comes to you meekly. And then Paul stated... I determined not to know anything among you. I didn't want to know your business. A lot of times you find in church, people want to know your background, who you are, where you come from, and if you meet their standard and you're in their category. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Now, if you are in Christ, the first thing you must realize is that you are a new creature. You are a new creation. Everything that is of the past, all things are passed away. 
and behold, all things become new. So when I come to you, I don't want to know your business. I don't want to know where you live, who you live with, or any such thing. I determine it is my goal, my objective, not to know anything among you or about you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to know that you are a new creature in Christ. I want to know the life you live in Christ going forward. I am determined not to know anything about you or among you. I will walk in ignorance concerning things of the flesh, but I want to walk in an intellectual, intellectually edified capacity when it comes to Christ Jesus. For I am determined not to know anything among you. The Bible says, therefore, Henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Though we have known Christ after the flesh, henceforth, know we him no more. Your life you lived in the flesh, it's past, it's gone. The Bible says you are now a new creature. All things are passed away. So I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness. I was with you in a vulnerable state. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. One of the things about the believer in Jesus Christ, when he is with anyone or in the body, you will see his weaknesses, how frail he was being found in fashion as a man. He was despised, forsaken, there was no beauty when we saw him that we should desire him. Still it pleased the Lord to bruise him though he walked in the ways of God. And I, I was with you. You saw all my faults, my failures. You saw my weaknesses. You saw my fears. You saw my trembling because I was with you. I was a part of you. And I was with you in weakness, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient. I was not putting you in a scale, measuring you. No, I came to you with openness, with honesty of heart. This is who I am, for by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know my fears. You know my tremblings. You know my weaknesses. My perfection is in Jesus Christ. So I'm leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ that I may go on unto perfection. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I didn't tell you that I know Latin. I didn't tell you that I know Greek and Hebrew. But my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. You see, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. When the Holy Spirit came, every man heard them in his own tongue, wherein he was born. And when God is speaking to you, when the Lord is talking to you, he's going to come to that place that you are. He's going to come to the level on which you stand. And he's going to come to your level of intellect, your capacity. He won't give you much more than you're able to bear. So when he comes, he comes in your own tongue that you might hear the wonderful works of God in your own language. 
We don't have to go off and be intimidated by those who have studied Greek and Hebrew and Latin and the footnotes and all that kind of stuff. But we trust in God. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, searching the internet and Googling the great orators of all time and try to imitate them, try to speak like them, try to use enticing words, words of control, words of power, uh, motivational speeches and such like. No, my speech was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man but in the power of God there is a purpose there is a method to what I do why that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God God wants us in him we in him and in us that your faith should stand not in the wisdom of men know that the pastors are all absent because God has locked them out of the church where is your faith in who do you believe? Whose report do you believe? Are you able to stand now when you have to stand on your own? Or are you going to be like Saul when Saul could not find Samuel anymore? Saul went to the witch of Con of Endor. My God, you have to know where you stand. You have to have a relationship for yourself that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Don't be orchestrated and directed by men man because man is bound to fail but you stand in the power of the Holy Ghost you stand in the power of God the Bible says you shall have power you shall have power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you if you got to stand in the power of another man you're walking in the steps of Saul if you got to stand in the power and the faith and the wisdom of another man then you are standing in the power and the faith and the wisdom of Saul. He could not hear from God. He had not developed a relationship with God on his own. But he leaned on Samuel and walked in his own way. So Samuel was a read-up man for Saul. That's the only way he saw Samuel. There are a lot of people who want divination. They want to know what's going to happen in the future. They don't want a relationship with God. When are we going to be delivered from this? The Lord could come at any minute. When, when are things going to return the same? The Lord can come at any minute. So it is necessary that we become wise virgins, have our lamps trimmed, prepared, and we are ready because those that were ready went in. Your faith ought not to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Then Paul explained and opened up a little bit more. He said, albeit, albeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Talking about wisdom. Talking about articulation and edification. And such like, regardless of the fact that you are wise in the things of this world, 
We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. We can sit in the group. We can sit in the midst of the lawyers and the doctors hearing and answering questions as they ask like Jesus did when he was but 12 years old. Albeit, we speak wisdom. We able to sit among the intellectuals. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. We can hold our seat. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Their arguments, their science, their technologies, their philosophies are all going to come to naught. Albeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in our mystery. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in our mystery to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. We speak the wisdom of God in our mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which was ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, they didn't know it. Had no idea. Did not imagine it which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, if they had known the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, there are times when you are despised, forsaken, held in disrepute, but you must stand in God. You must stand where God has placed you. You must stand on the promises. You must not take down. You must abide. And after having done all, you must stand. Here, Paul spoke to the Corinthians saying, Hey, let me tell you something. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. We sat with them. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a part of them. He gave his voice at the condemnation of Stephen. He knew what they preached and taught. He knew their articles of belief. He knew what they stood for. He knew all of that stuff. Their articles of faith. He knew all of that. He was a part of the system. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, but not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world. It's going to come to naught. All the denominations, organizations, and such like are going to come to north. But Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will be broken down by the church, just as Jesus had the keys and hell and death. The gates of hell cannot withstand the church, but you're going to be in a battle we're going to wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're going to be in a wrestling match. 
We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God gave it to us. God gave the word. Great was the company of them that published it. And as we publish the word, what God ordained before the word unto our glory will be manifested. Which none of the princes of this world knew. They didn't know it. They erred not knowing the scriptures. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul continued to look at both the natural and the spiritual. Paul then said, but as it is written, it is written, the scriptures, but as it is written, I, that is the natural I, have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. So what Paul was saying, that flesh, that carnality, that walk according to the letter have not seen nor heard neither have it entered into the heart of that man that natural man that man of the world the things which God had prepared for them that love him so those who love the Lord is going to make preparations things that He's going to reveal to us, but the natural man does not see, know, hear, nor understand these things. But God hath revealed them unto us by spirit. We have a revelation. That is why we have a conviction and a purpose. We have a revelation because God hath revealed them unto us by spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. That's why we cling to God. We are held by him in his hand. That's why we stand. That's why we strive to overcome. Because God has revealed unto us by spirit the things which he has prepared for us who love him. Yes, God has revealed them unto us by spirit. For the Holy Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. One of the things about the Holy Spirit, it would go into area and places that you will not believe. It searches all things. Some of the places the Holy Spirit will enter, you will scream, cry, and ache. Because the Holy Spirit searches all things, yes, deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man? For what human knoweth the things of other human beings. For what man knoweth the things of a man but the spirit of man which is in him. So the spirit, my natural spirit, my human spirit knows and understands the things of mankind because I'm a part of that body. The natural body. For what man knoweth the things of a man? I'm going to know, understand, and perceive the things of men because I am one of them. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Save the spirit of man which is in him. But listen to this. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So for me to know the things of God, I must have the Spirit of God that I might know the things which are 
clearly and certainly revealed of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, in the same way, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Except you have the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. For what man knoweth the things of a man? You can know and understand what men are going through unless you're being found in fashion as a man. You can't know and understand the things that angels are going through except you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now Paul continued telling us, Now we have received, now we have received, you shall receive power, now we have received. Not the Spirit of the world. Now we have received and accepted. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world. That's why we act differently. That's why we behave differently. That's why we walk and talk differently. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. That's why I can't go that way. That's why I can't live that way. That's why I can't be that way. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit which is of God. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. When the comforter is come, he will lead you, will guide you into all the truth. You will get the revelation of the truth through the Holy Spirit. Now we have received not the spirit of the world in our natural body, in our flesh our flesh knows comprehends understands the things of the world because we are part of this genre we are part of that flesh that's why there's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit for the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these two are contrary but we by the spirit of god bring our flesh into subjection we crucify the flesh now we have received not the spirit of the world men in their desire for the things of this world, the glory of this world, the beauty of this world, the culture of this world, have received the spirit of the world. They have received the mark of the beast. They are of this world. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. We don't receive that. Because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. But the Spirit which is of God we have received. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Listen to this. Which things also we speak. My, my, my. <laughs> which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teach it. But which your Holy Ghost teach it. Comparing, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Let's pause right here. Now, in terms of our speaking, which things we speak, we don't speak in the words which man's wisdom teach it. The Greeks desire wisdom and they teach their language, their culture, their arts, their crafts, and their sciences. Yes, but those are the things and the words which man's wisdom teach it. We don't live in the footnotes. We read the footnotes, but we live in the scriptures. You can read the footnotes as a benchmark 
as a standard, you can see what one man is thinking. But the scriptures are the thoughts of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, not man's thinking, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak. We don't do it in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Brother Brown, how come sometimes it's Jamaican, sometimes it's English, sometimes it's Patwa, sometimes it's all mixed up, mixed up. Why? Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. The Holy Ghost compares spiritual things with spiritual. Spiritual things is across the spectrum. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against foes, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. There are some spiritual things that are wicked. So we compare those spiritual things with other spiritual things, which things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches our comforter, our guide, our keeper. And then we get to make the comparisons, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In closing, the apostles wrote these words. He said, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You're talking foolishness. That's what they'll tell you, because they're natural men. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. When you become spiritual, you have to judge not just the church, not just angels, but you have to judge all things. But the natural man. Receive it not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know, he can't know, he can't get it. Because they are spiritually discerned. You gotta come up higher. John was told, come up higher. You gotta leave the earthy and come up to the heavenly. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. Man can't figure him out. Man can't understand him. Man cannot grasp where he's coming from, where he's going. The wind blow it where it listed, and you cannot tell where it come from or where it goes. So is he that is born of the Spirit. Why? For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who doeth know the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who? Who can instruct the Lord? But we have. But we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your graciousness. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. You have led us, guided us, taking us to a place, O oh God, that only you can sustain us. Continue to be our guide. Continue to be our help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, beloved. The word tells us,
that there is one mediator, just one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus Christ the righteous. There's one advocate with the Father, and again, it's Jesus Christ. You have no need that man stand in between you and God. He's but a brother. He's but your brethren. So, you as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, must develop a relationship with the Lord for yourself that you may boldly go to the throne of grace. You will find help in the time of trouble. So, having said that, I'm going to step away from here that you may approach the throne of grace for yourself. God bless you in Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Come on home, beloved. Come on home, won't you? Won't you please? Please come home.